Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Karen Can Radio Show. The intention of this show is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. If you don't have a copy of my book, you can get the first six chapters free, as well as the extensive table of contents uh, at my website, www.karencan.com. Just put your name and email to join my email list, which you can you know, unjoin at any time in the future. Um, but I will send you the link where you can download the free excerpt of my book and um, access, you'll get access to five of my Fast Track Your Healing programs. So these are online webinar classes. We cover things like emotional healing, how to figure out underlying body, um, mind, spirit imbalances that are causing your problems using muscle testing. That's called the body code system. Um, And probably one of the most popular classes is how to do self-muscle testing. So... um, Definitely, definitely a great and very useful tool. I've been using it every day pretty much. Uh, so please, please join me on my website. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and all that cool stuff. So I'm most active on Facebook, so I have a couple of different Facebook pages. But please like my page, Dr. Karen Can, on Facebook. And uh, any up-to-the-minute information, I usually post it there rather than sending out a newsletter. So, so for those of you that have joined my newsletter already, Thank you so much. I, you know, really enjoy uh, having you as part of my tribe. So today's today's radio show is about broth. Now, my patients will know those that that have been with me for a while know that is one of the most common nutritional therapies that I recommend. Now, it seems like it'd be kind of you know, old-fashioned. But bone broth is actually an amazing healing nutritional uh, um, therapy. And think about all the supplements that people take all the time, the calcium supplements, the magnesium supplements, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, all the anti-aging supplements. And what I've discovered from reading and learning about broth from my colleagues um, is that it is one of the best, anti-aging supplements out there. And today with me on the call, Dr. Kayla Daniel. Now, if you recall some of the other shows I've done on um, soy, for example, um, and uh, Kayla is uh, an amazing nutritionist. She has a really cool website, drkaylaDaniel.com. It's um, D-R-K-A-A-Y-L-A-D-A-N-I-E-L.com. And she is known as the Naughty Nutritionist. And uh, her latest book, she's co-author with Sally Fallon-Morell. 
Nourishing Broth, an old-fashioned remedy for the modern world. And she's going to explain the science of broth and why it not only supports recovery from colds and flus and other acute illnesses, but can help prevent and even reverse chronic illnesses such as osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and other autoimmune disorders digestive issues, mental illness, and even support the healing of cancer. And uh, I I have found that uh, there's so many great benefits of broth. It is now my regular go-to. So when I'm at home, of course, my house smells like broth all the time. (laughs) I'm always, you know, uh, uh, cooking broth uh, in my home practically, practically all the time. Um, that is my go-to. I pretty much have it every day. Um, I will actually muscle test patients as to how often they can uh, benefit uh, minimally, like, you know, what's the minimum amount of broth for them to have to support their body's healing. Um, And that could be anywhere from three cups a week to a cup and a half to two cups a day. So if you've heard of leaky gut, for example, uh, leaky gut syndrome, um, this is one of the therapies you'll definitely want. And even if you're taking other supplements or other nutritional therapies, this is a mainstay as to how to heal your body and your gut through the nutrition of the broth. So if you don't have a copy of her book, you can definitely get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's at all major bookstores. You can order it, of course, um, and you can get more information about it on her website, drkaylaDaniel.com. Now, um, I have not seen Dr. Kayla call in yet, so we could be having some technical difficulties. Um, so we're going to wait a little bit, and uh, in the meantime, if you have some broth stories, um, please call in and let us know what they are, whether it be what do you do with your broth or um, if you don't know anything about broth, what kind of questions do you have that we can answer for you? So the number to call in is 818-514-1190. Again, 818-514-1190. And just hit 1 so that, so that we know that your hand is up, okay? Um, and that way, I know sometimes the, uh, the Blog Talk Radio doesn't always um, tell you to do that, uh, but I'm telling you to do that because otherwise we don't know that your hand's up and we just see a bunch of people that are on the call and they're waiting and we don't know that you have a question. So please, please do that. So 818 818- Five one four, eleven ninety, and hit one, and then we can answer your question. Okay, sound good? Excellent. So you know, um, we had uh, one of my local um, co- uh, healing colleagues, uh, Kathy Homeyer. She owns Lake Clear Lodge and Resort, and uh, we did a whole training on my holistic health transformation program. Uh, and she was one of the guest speakers. We talked about culturing foods. And we talked about broth and it was amazing how many different things you can do with broth like I just kind of drink it or just kind of use it in soups which by the way at at the beginning my husband was so not into it um, because I'd be making like chicken feet broth or something which he thought was kind of gross (laughs) and um, uh, then later on we didn't have any other so-called commercial broth and he was making a soup that I'd asked him to make and he thought well I'm going to use the stuff in the fridge right the the homemade bone broth that uh, Karen made so he uses it in the soup, and I can't remember whether it was a cauliflower or broccoli soup he was making, something like that that I'd asked him to make. And when he tasted the soup, and because I've made it with you know vegetable broth and stuff commercially made uh, when I didn't have any broth around, and when he tasted that soup, he was like, wow, it was so amazing, so rich. From now on, he asked me, uh, do you have any bone broth? 
you know, when we have to make some suits or something like that. We actually just had a Chinese uh, hot pot, actually. Um, And what that is, is um, it is a broth that you put in a... um, it's like a it's like a it's like a pot, but the pot has uh you can put it on the table and it's either electrical or you can use a little gas thing, has a little propane, a little mini gas thing. So it heats it up. There's a there's a flame for the propane one. Mine is electrical, so it's a Chinese of course it's not ancient Chinese to have that. Ancient Chinese is with a flame. But ours is with electrical, so it's modern. And this pot has the broth in it. And what you do is you dunk raw vegetables or raw meat in there with these little wire baskets and you cook your own meat in the broth and then you flavor it with whatever um, flavorings that there are. So, uh, you know, it could be hoisin sauce or I make my own uh, peanut Thai, well, I don't know what to call it, but uh, Chinese peanut Thai kind of sauce. And um, and then you eat it. So you can have raw shrimp, raw you know chicken, beef, and then for vegetarians you can have whatever tofu, eggs, um, you know uh, all sorts of vegetables. And at the end of the night, the bone broth not only has all the flavorings it originally had, but it has all the flavorings of everything that you've put in it. So it is an amazing, an amazing, rich and yum, yum, yummy broth and um in the chinese tradition i think they when they do drink the broth they they drink it at the very end they said it's very you know people can get kind of sleepy because it's so loaded with um so much nutrition at the end so if you haven't had chinese um uh, um broth using a hot pot it's actually really really fun to do so we're still waiting for um dr daniel to call in so she might be having technical difficulties which i'm really kind of sad about but um We'll see. I just uh, texted my assistant to see if she can get a hold of her. So I apologize, everybody, for um, your patience. Uh, uh, thank you for your patience for um, waiting here for Dr. Daniel. Uh, in the meantime, um, I can tell you a little bit about uh, how to make the broth in case you are not um, uh, you don't have any knowledge of that. It's some basic stuff. Now, of course, you can uh, buy the book and get more fancy as to all the different things that you can do with it. But what's really important is that you get bones, or if you are doing bone broth, you're getting bones from a good source. So you want to get it from, you know, pastured uh, animals, um, ideally, you know, pastured, organically fed, local, that would be awesome. I do question my farmers what they feed their chickens, what they feed their beef, lamb, etc. And I want to make sure that it is organic and especially if there's any, um, you know, uh, soy or corn, anything like we don't always have pasture here in the North Country. Sometimes we just have to know. So, so if, if if they are gonna feed them anything um, that is a grain or a soy based or anything like that, I want to make sure that it's at least organic, so it's not genetically modified. So once you have the pastured animals, um, you can actually take the bone, which is very inexpensive, and it's a great way to like in Chinese tradition. Chinese people pretty much eat everything, which I know grosses some other cultures out, but we pretty much eat everything. So, you know, even my husband had uh, one experience of going to the Chinese restaurant. My mom and dad were eating salmon head, and they offered him a piece of the eye. <laughs> him being brave, he actually did eat the cartilage around the eye, and he thought it was pretty cool. So he, he said it was pretty good. But, uh, yeah, like Chinese people eat everything. So, you know, so the bone is like a no-brainer. We always use the bone. 
So what you want to do with the bone is um, uh, now, now ideally, if you have pastured, I, I don't actually heat it up to take any con- so-called contaminants out. But say you even had say bone marrow from the regular grocery store; it's not pastured. It's still okay. It's still very healthy. So what you would do with that is you would um, now you could roast the bones first, but that that's a lot of work uh, unless you're already roasting something else, or maybe you've uh, made something that has bone in it that's roasted. It's really yummy that way. So um, you don't have to roast it, but you can put the raw bone in a pot, and you're going to uh, put uh, maybe a, a couple tablespoons of uh, raw apple cider vinegar in there, or some other you know organic vinegar, and that helps to get the nutrients from the bone as it's cooking. And traditionally, you can actually soak it for an hour. Um, sometimes I don't bother, to be honest. I just dunk it right in when I put it in the crock pot. So, but if you do have um, bones that are not organic, then you would put them in the, on the stove, on a pot, cover it with water. You know, use the um, uh, use the vinegar, and then you would actually put it, bring it to a boil. So you bring it to a boil, and then once you have the boil, you'll actually see some foamy stuff on top, and then. Um, uh, the foamy stuff is uh, what they consider contaminants. You do not get too much of the foamy stuff when you use pastured animals, believe it or not. It is such a big difference. When you use, like, say, chicken bones from regular, like, just conventionally grown or uh, um, raised chickens, and then you see all the foamy stuff coming out, you skim all that stuff off. And then when you see from pastured animals that there's hardly any of that stuff, you probably won't buy regular stuff anymore if you can help it. It's amazing the difference. Anyway, so if you're not using pasture stuff, you want to skim that stuff off. So let it boil for a little bit, not too long, maybe, you know, 10 minutes or so. Just skim everything you can until you don't see any foam come up anymore. Uh, And then you're going to turn it down to low. Uh, or simmer, so you just see a few bubbles come up from time to time. That's as low as you want to go. Now, I use a crock pot because I do not want my stove on that long and to um, use that up that much gas because my electricity is much lower than my gas prices. So um, I will use a crock pot. So and uh, you can transfer it into the crock pot, put it on low, make sure it does have a low setting. If you have a crock pot that uh, only has one setting, it's probably high, so that might not be the best. Um, you want to have it on as low a setting as possible. Even so, it's probably a little bit too high, but because of the convenience, it's great. Because you're actually going to be simmering or low simmering this for a long period of time. So if you don't want to be watching the stove um, and being in the home you know, the whole time that it's cooking for that 12 hours or 24 hours, then a crock pot is really fun. Okay, let's see if uh, we got Dr. Daniel here now. Forward to okay. talking. Dr. Daniel, yay! Hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, so I was just telling people how I make my broth, and I was just telling them that I use the the crock pot, and I'm I'm kind of like. You know, I want to be really quick on time, so I'm just going to use pastured, you know, animals and their bones. I just kind of literally dunk it in the crock pot. I put my, you know, a couple tablespoons of apple apple cider vinegar, and I just put it on low for like 24 hours, (laughs) and it works out great. I'm sure you have much more, you know, details in your book, but uh, so welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I I work with the crock pot myself, and it's absolutely simple and fail-proof. Can't go wrong with it. 
And the only way you might want to complicate things is if you're using lamb or beef bones to roast them in the oven a bit first. And that is an extra step, but you're going to get a much richer flavor to your broth. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I'll make something, say, osabuco or something in the crock pot already the night before and so it's been in there and it has this flavoring in there and then I'll use that and dunk it with whatever other bones I have and you're right it does give this amazing uh, amazing rich flavor and I was telling folks on the call earlier before you came on that my husband was kind of eh about the whole bone broth thing you know making food with it but now that he's tried what it tastes like when we make the like cauliflower or broccoli or squash soup now he always asks me do you do you have the bone broth you know <laughs> do you have it ready for me you know it's it's really awesome um and I even tricked him I think one time I, I kind of mixed it in with chicken feet and he didn't know <laughs> and he said it was really good so I'm like oh honey actually eat chicken feet broth. He's like, ah, he's like, well, I guess it's okay. You know, it was good. Well, you can get an amazing broth from the chicken feet alone. So Mm -hmm. that's a very inexpensive way to do it. And it's very pale. It's very flavorful. And it is definitely gelatinous. Oh, yeah. So tell us about what is it about bone broth? And we can talk about what to do with vegetarians in a little bit. But what is it about bone broth that is so good for you, that's so anti-aging? And I have found definitely that I, I think it helps my, my skin and joints. So, Yeah, the number one thing is that jiggly gelatin uh, because that's collagen. And everybody knows about collagen for your skin because we've all seen the ads of, you know, collagen products that people apply to their skin. But so much better to get that nutrition from the inside out. So it is the secret to beautiful skin and also to all the parts of the body that need collagen and need cartilage, and that would include our joints. And so many people try to be active, they work out, and they have knee problems. So many people go into old age with with arthritis and other problems. But a lot of broth in the diet is going to keep us young. It keeps our joints with uh, good, healthy cartilage. Mhm. Yeah, that's great. Now, and people are taking a lot of supplements these days. It's very popular. So they're taking glucosamine, they're taking chondroitin, uh, they're taking all these different things for their joints. And like you said, you know, it's for their skin, putting it on topically or maybe taking a pill of hyaluronic acid. And so what you're saying is, hey, we, we can get this a lot more, uh, a lot less expensive just making bone broth. I think we can, and I think it was Mother Nature's solution for us. And people traditionally ate all parts of the animals. They ate nose to tail, and Mm -hmm. all parts are valuable to us. So the way we use the bones is is to make broth. And, of course, you know, paleo people would chew on those drumsticks, and they're going to get some cartilage that way, too. And we need to be eating the livers of the animals and, you know, the heart and other organs. And so many people, when they become paleo, for example, will focus on steaks and chops, you know, the premium expensive Mm. cut. And to make it work for our budget and also for our health, we need to be considering all parts of the animal. Right. And I was just saying early on the call that in Chinese tradition, we pretty much ate everything and... um, uh, we were very thrifty, you know. You just wouldn't waste uh, any part of the animal. The 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 joke as kids was like, you know, grandma would eat the chicken butt, and we would be like, oh, <laughs> we're not eating that, you know. And, and it was 
but I'm still not a big fan of that. But I will put that in the bone broth. <laughs> so is it important to have um, a low temperature doing bone broth? And, and if so, why? Uh, I think it's important not to be boiling it. Um, bring it to a simmer and then and then turn it down to, say, just under that. And um, that way you're going to get a better flavor. You're not going to boil it down and burn it up and and all of those things. Uh, but we seem to get better gelatin that way. Mm. Now, if you, how do people know how long to low simmer it for? Like what, what's an ideal number of hours? I don't know, actually. I think people worry too much about the exact way to do things. That, okay. um Say with, with chicken bones, you're going to have a wonderful flavor, say, in six or seven hours, but it could go on longer. For lamb or beef, you're probably going to want it going a day or more. Um, there are actually some people who do something called perpetual broth where they're constantly taking some out and adding more water back in. Um, I think things can go on for too long, and I'm kind of wondering how that actually saves you that much work anyway, since sooner or later you're going to have to scoop it out and clean things up. But uh, people worry too much about exactly how to do things. Uh, people often ask, what exactly are the proportions of bones you should be using? What is the exact um mix you should be using should you be using so much chicken so much beef so much lamb uh, and some mm. people want the combination that's going to be optimal and the advice i usually give is really relax about the whole thing uh use what you can find uh uh, but use enough of it because the biggest problem people tend to have with making broth is they have too much water and not enough bones, and then they wonder why they don't have much flavor. Ah, okay. So that's an important thing. And if you're not getting gelatin, probably need to add more joint bones, and um, you know, chicken feet are, are typically a way to ensure that you're going to get good gelatin. Okay, and what about... Um the safety and nutritional value of, say, uh, bone marrow, the bones that have bone marrow in it? Uh, bone marrow is incredibly nutritious, and it's a sacred food in cultures all over the world. There's the sense that we can nourish um, ourselves, uh, nourish and promote stem cells and other things to keep us young and for healing and rejuvenative properties. And Thoreau talked about sucking the marrow out of life. Um, and there's many, many people who've said things like that. And I think it's a very vivid way of, of explaining the, the, the nourishment, the deep nourishment that we get from, from marrow and from bones. Mm, okay. Well, we talked a little bit about how, I mean, obviously, if, if you're, you have joint tissue there and you're getting the... Um, I mean, the nutritional, you know, helps your skin and your joints. What about some of the other things? Like, is it going to help things like, you know, mental illness and, and, and um, digestive issues? How does, how does bone broth help with those, or even cancer? How, how do they help with those issues? The first thing that I think a lot of us know these days is that all health begins in the gut and all disease begins with the breakdown in the gut. And many, many people today have leaky gut and they have many digestive disorders. So whatever else is a problem, we need to look at the gut first. 
And uh, the gelatin in broth is very, very healing to the gut. And some people actually will go on bone broth uh, fasts uh, where they're having Mm -hmm. nothing but bone broth for for a week or so and having all they want. And that can uh, start some healing going on. And in terms of the brain, uh, we all know now that, that a lot of our brain is actually in the gut, our brain and our immune systems, too. They're all in the gut. <laughs> so that that would be part of it right there. And then there's other factors that I think are are very much a part of this, that if we're sitting down in our family and having things like homemade food and soup, we have community, and it's mm. pleasurable. And there's a reason that um, Chicken Soup for the Soul series sold so so well, you know, publishing phenomena. People really c- connect with that idea of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's it's uh, so what you're saying is, I mean, it's not just this whole left brain thing where we go, well, this is really good nutrients for us, but it's really some of that other other sort of less. Um, you know, solid uh, proof, but more like, hey, this increases community, and it's not just about nutrition. It's about not just what you eat, but how you eat it and with whom do you eat it, and and that is so true. There's nothing like, you know, sitting at a table and uh, drinking this amazing, you know, soup that you've homemade that's rich, and, and it just brings in so much wonderful energy um, instead of rushing around and, you know, taking something from a box, and it's so different. <laughs> It's a very different energy, and interestingly enough, uh, in many ways, soup, even though it's the slowest food, it's also a fast food in the sense that you can throw some things into your crock pot, go off to work, and come home, and your whole house will smell of this wonderful soup and stew you've got going. Mm-hmm. Yep. So do that it's all a the slow time. food, and it's a fast food, too. Yes, in fact, a lot of my lunches actually include bone broth or soup made with bone broth, and with um, and if I do need some sort of animal protein or something, uh, you know, I'll I'll just kind of warm that up in the morning and put it in the thermos, and uh, it'll cook the rest of the way. Or sometimes I'll just have a wild Alaskan um, salmon or something like that. I'll just dunk it in raw into the uh, the thermos, and you know, at lunchtime it's cooked. I mean, not that I need to cook it, but you know, it's just a nice hearty meal and it's actually pretty quick so people say oh i have to grab a sandwich because i'm in a rush and i'm going to go to the store and i'm going to grab a sandwich i'm like i'm sorry but making sandwiches to me takes time <laughs> like i think it takes time uh especially if you're trying to make a nutritious sandwich um make your own sourdough bread and put all the stuff on i mean for me it's so much easier just to plop the soup you know if i made it the night before just reheat it on there um, I will literally put like frozen okra with organic okra, which I've discovered is my my new thing. I even put that in smoothies sometimes. Frozen okra at the bottom of the thermos, and I'll pour the bone broth, or I'll pour you know the soup on top, and then whatever meat uh, that quick cooks, and just you know that's it. It's like five ten minutes. I'm done, and and it's a really hearty lunch, and that is simple, and it's it's got no grains in it, which is very inflammatory for a lot of people. I find. Um, and so people are like, wow, I never thought of doing that. But that that's kind of like my go-to. Yeah, and people talk about they're in a big hurry, so they're going to go pick up a sandwich. Well, how long does it take you to yeah. go somewhere, order a sandwich, pay for it, pick it up? 
with the same amount of time, you could actually get some soup going in a stock pot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, admittedly, when people are starting to cook for the first time, it's a new skill, and right. most people are going to need to learn how to do it. But once you get it going, it takes no time at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, people have found, hey, that's actually a pretty good pretty good way to do it. It's just a matter of changing our brains to go, oh, okay, even though it's new, I can do this. And actually this is better just to try it. And, and by the way, uh, if you're just uh, joining us now, I'm interviewing Dr. Kayla Daniel, the naughty nutritionist. We're talking about her book, Nourishing Broth, an old-fashioned remedy for the modern world. And we've, so far we've been talking about bone broth. If you'd like to call in and ask a question, um, I know a lot of people are just listening in, but if you want to call and ask a question, just hit 818-514-1190 and hit 1. Again, 818-514-1190, hit 1 so I know your hand is up. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, vegans or vegetarians. So I know that, uh, you know, um, there are some concerns definitely that maybe they are not getting the kind of fats or, or uh quality protein or B12 or some, you know, vitamins that they need, but if they are adverse to making bone broth but want to get some benefit of broth, is there something they can do? Well, vegans and vegetarians are very averse to making bone broth because they're dealing with the bones, and uh, some people have actually called it corpse soup. Oh. Uh, so it's it's very challenging for many of them, and many ex-vegans or vegetarians who realize that the only way they're going to be healthy is to to start including animal products. They can deal with say steaks and chops a lot easier than they can with the actual corpse or the bones. Mm. So it is challenging, but I would encourage people to to deal with that because. Because the collagen that we get with the gelatin is very, very important for healing. And many people who do decide that, that their vegan or vegetarian diets have not been working for them are are doing so because they're having major leaky gut problems from the grains. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they need that healing very badly. And many also go back to eating meat because they find they're they're reacting to all of these plant proteins. So sometimes people find the only things they're not actually allergic to might be might be the meats. Wow. That's so amazing. they're going to need that broth for their healing. Now, there are ways to buy good homemade broth, but it's very expensive. And besides the expense of the product, there's the expense of shipping, which can often be as much as buying the broth itself. So people who live in places like, say, Portland, where there's places where they can actually go into and buy good broth, they're they're very blessed. But those who have to order it by mail, it gets extremely expensive. Mm. Well, well, recently so, I noticed at the local food uh, store, because I have been recommending bone broth, and, um, uh, you know, they started carrying it. Uh, now, of course, it is, you know, commercially made, not homemade, um, Pacific Foods. Uh, makes an organic, uh, I think, chicken bone broth, which I was actually shocked at. Um, I, I thought, I mean, relative to how much it normally would cost, um, I thought it was, wasn't bad. I mean, normally for, you know, a, a package of any sort of super broth from them that's not bone broth, it's maybe four ninety nine for that, uh, you know, that little box. And then 
actually it shows that it's a little box. It's about uh, a couple of cups, I think, four cups. And then um, now they have uh, bone broth uh, for about six something, so six ninety seven, something like that. For that, so of course more expensive than making it yourself. But if you've got someone at home that's a vegetarian or vegan that's as adverse to having your house smell like that for 48 hours, maybe this is an alternative. How do you feel about that? Well, it 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 is, and the more people are demanding old-fashioned bone broth, the real stuff, the more we're going to find it. So we do mm-hmm. have to keep asking. Now, many of the so-called broths that we're going to find in the health food stores are mostly made from the meat, and they've got a lot of flavor, and they've certainly got some nutrition, but part of what we really need is that collagen and cartilage. So maybe for some of those people, um, adding collagen or cartilage supplements might be a solution. Mm. Uh, And they don't have any smell, and... um, uh, they don't have any real, you know, mouth mouth uh, texture either. You know, they're not they're not offensive. People can add them to things like coffee, even. Ah, okay, okay. Now that that is, I mean, the you know, the two brands that people have used a lot is um, is the uh, the Lake something, and then the Vital Proteins. They're sort of grass fed, um, and they make them out, I think, skin. So there's definitely collagen in it, but it doesn't seem like they have the same nutritional, um, you know, uh, bang uh, for your buck, so to speak, uh, as real bone broth because it's just mostly collagen. Is that true? Well, the Great Lakes or the Vital Proteins collagen, uh, that does come from the skins, and that is the collagen without the cartilage. The cartilage product, and I have a product, Dr. Kayla Daniels, Vital Proteins uh, Cartilage, and that's much, much more expensive than the, the, the collagen or the gelatin products, but the focus in that is with the cartilage, and many people do need the cartilage because well, Dr. Dr. John Pruden's studies with cartilage are the ones that, that showed its healing power with digestive problems, with cancer, with um, autoimmune disorders such as rheumatoid arthritis and scleroderma. That was all done with a cartilage product. Mm. So with a genuine bone broth that we would be making, say, with joint bones, there's going to be cartilage in there as well as the collagen. The question is how much is going to be in there, and it's going to vary from batch to batch. So for people who've got serious uh, diseases where they're looking to do healing with cartilage, they might want to consider the product so that they've got a known dose. Ah, I see, I see. And it's and it's really neat. It it doesn't have uh, any sort of taste. So like you said, you can put it in your coffee, you can put it in your, uh, you know, shake or smoothie. Um, great way to added in um and i noticed the uh i think with the great lakes uh one of them says grass-fed and the other one says they kind of get it from a whole bunch of different sources so they cannot guarantee it i don't know whether Mm -hmm. you noted that or not um on that i think i think it's a good product it's certainly better than say nox which comes from factory farm to animals now um Mm -hmm. Um, I've been working with with the vital proteins, and uh, I've got a cartilage product out with them. So, you know, I do enjoy that company. But for many people, Great Lakes is what they can get, and that's going to help them too. Uh, Okay. And what about um, making um, 
you know, making gummy bears. I, I thought this was going to be a, a cool project for me this Christmas. Because <laughs> 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 I thought that'd be really fun. You know, I mean, yes, you have to buy a commercial uh, gelatin because I'm not going to use bone broth for that. But, um, you know, is that is that a way in which we could maybe encourage uh, maybe our kids or, or, or big kids, such as my husband, uh, to to consume more of this collagen product? I think that could be fun, and uh, many of the real food mommies, you know, the mommy bloggers um, yeah. have, have you know, done this, and they've shown pictures of the little gummy bears they've made, and they look absolutely delicious and beautiful, and of course, much, much healthier than some of the commercial alternatives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of look forward to experimenting a little bit. Last year, I was making uh, homemade uh, homemade chocolate. Uh, and uh, this year, I think I might make uh, some homemade, uh, gel, gel, you know, jelly bears or something like that instead. Um, tell us a little bit about your book, Nourishing Broth, and uh, why you decided to to write it, and what is, um, you know, what some of the content that's in there that hasn't been, you know, maybe told before. Well, Nourishing Broth is a book that I did with co-author Sally Fallon Morell. And uh, Sally provided the recipes and all the how-to tips, and I did the science. So uh, I did the history of broth, and then, um, let's see, I think uh, 19 chapters having to do with um, with um, broth and the components in broth and how it affects our health. So basically, Sally did the, the recipes and the how to do it, and I did the science. Oh, great, fantastic. Now, one of the bloggers that's very popular out there, the Healthy Home Economist, you probably know her, Sarah, um, she mentioned on a video, uh, on some of her how-to videos on, on making broth, that she says um, for her it's protein sparing. And what she meant was she doesn't eat as much meat as she used to because she um, you know, does a lot of this broth. And I just was curious as to... Why that would be? Is there some sort of scientific reason for that? Is it because it's so nutritious she doesn't need to eat as much meat, or is that just her biology? Uh, some of the 19th century studies indicated that gelatin, which is the collagen in, in broth, uh, was protein sparing. And mm. that was one of the reasons that they felt it was a solution for world hunger. So back in the 19th century, there was a whole lot of research having to do with gelatin because at the time, I I sort of joke that it was the soy protein of the 19th century. (laughs) People thought it was going to solve all the world's problems, you know, it was going to feed the hungry and so forth. And what the researchers did learn is that if you had gelatin in your diet, you could stay healthy eating less meat. And... uh, but they discovered that you could not live on the gelatin alone. Okay. And um, so that was a disappointment to them. But, you know, it makes sense in many ways. And it really comes down to the nose-to-tail eating idea that we we are not going to thrive long-term on just the steaks and chops. We need the organ meats. We need all the nutrition from the bones and the joints. And that, of course, is what we're going to get with the broth. Mm, gotcha. Now, a lot of people will ask about if they are making, you know, say, you know, beef marrow bone broth and they get the nice marrow, that there's a lot of fat that gets uh, released and it's just basically like an inch layer of fat on top of their uh, bone broth and are asking, well, what do we 
do with that fat? Is it okay to eat it? Is it too fatty, dose per dose, to put it in, you know, just regular bone broth if you're just drinking bone broth? So what do you recommend? Well, it's really up to you. Uh, most gourmet cooks will take off the fat because the the broth will look better and taste better if the fat is removed. And it's pretty easy to remove that if we put it in the refrigerator and then it congeals on the top and you can just lift it off. So in my house, I will give some of that fat to to my pets and they all have lustrous coats and they're doing very well with that. Also give them a little broth too. And a lot of people will, will note that whenever they open up, say, a can of dog food or cat food, even some of the really bad ones from the supermarket, there'll still be some gelatin there. So there's still some nutrition in there. Hmm. Wow. But the the fat, um, I will either give most of it to the pets or even toss some of it. I don't usually get a whole inch or, and you know, that level of quantity. Um, but it will have cooked a long time, and some of the polyunsaturates in there may have gone a little rancid. So I don't think it's the most quality fat we could have. Um, I would not worry about it, however. Uh, okay, okay. So it's not necessarily beneficial, uh, but not necessarily harmful, so it's really kind of up to the person. Because I thought that you know all sorts of, you know, if you have fat from pastured animals, that was really good for you. So I was trying to eat it. Well, it you know, it starts off good, but if it's been cooking a long time, you know, any any fat or oil can become rancid under the right conditions. Mm. So the saturated component of that is probably fine, but the polyunsaturated component, um that that part could could start to go rancid. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so I won't feel so guilty um not having so much fat. Or don't like, don't oh be God. too don't be too eager to remove the the fat uh, because it will help preserve it in the refrigerator. So oh, if the fat right. is covering it, it will last a lot longer in the refrigerator. Oh, that's a great point. How, so how long, so say you make bone broth, you put it in the fridge, how long is it safe to have it in there? Does it depend on the animal you used? Well, a lot of people ask that question, and it will depend on a lot of things, uh, including how the, the temperature of your refrigerator, how close it is to the door of the refrigerator, mm. things like that. Um, I say, you know, smell it. If it smells bad, toss it. If if it's been there a while but it still seems okay, you know, just make sure you've really, you know, you've boiled it up good before you eat it. Okay. Um, you know, use your own common sense about that. But with the fat layer on the top, it can actually stay safely in your refrigerator for quite a bit longer. Okay. Yeah, I think I read somewhere it was like five days, but that wasn't necessarily. I, I've had it definitely last longer than that, and that probably is because the fat layer it had not been broken. You know, it's been, mm-hmm. been in the back of my fridge and had this, you know, half inch fat layer on it and we hadn't touched it and I thought uh oh it's been in there more than seven days it's going to be okay and then and it's fine yeah and yeah it's, and it's fine so that makes a lot of sense forgot all about the the fat layer huh that's really key that's really cool um let's see is there anything else that you can share that you would like oh I, I was going to ask about what about agar agar for vegans I know it's not bone broth <laughs> and it's not even broth at all but is that gelatin at all 
you know, helpful at all to, to vegans? Is it is it nutrition? I mean, if they definitely do not want to have anything to do with animal products, um, I'm just trying to figure out a way to they can still get some nutrition. Well, they're not going to get the collagen from it. And most vegans really need collagen pretty badly, like we all do. Um, mm. A vegetable broth will have flavor. It will have some nutrition. It will have some minerals. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that whatsoever. And I would say that's better than nothing. But you're not going to get the collagen except from animal products. Okay, so no collagen animal broth. And, and that's something that we need from animal products. There's no way we can make our own collagen without animal products? Uh, the body can make collagen, but for most of us, we we need to make sure we're getting the nutrition in order to make our collagen. Mm, the building block. So, yeah, and we're getting it from the bone broth. And some people like to say that the idea that, you know, we are what we eat is too simplistic but the, even though the collagen in the bone broth or the cartilage in the bone broth or the marrow is going to break down in our digestive system, we're still going to have those components so our body has what it needs to make them. Mm. Well, one of the questions that's come through, uh, and I know you've covered this in a previous show, but this person hasn't been on that show, so um, is somebody who just turned vegan. Um, she's in her, I think, early 20s, um, and uh, she's had some um, you know, food issues, um, maybe some bulimia, something like that in the past. And so she's learning to eat better. And um, she tried the ketogenic diet, which uh, she just could not stick with. So she just turned vegan not too long ago. And she says, well, I hear that you can make cholesterol. You know, you make cholesterol. So why do I need to eat any cholesterol. And I'm not trying to convince her because at least she's eating healthier now than she did like a year ago. So she's mm-hmm. going through whatever this phase is. Maybe it'll last, maybe it won't. But, you know, um, she wanted to ask that question about um, the cholesterol. Do we do we not make cholesterol and why do we have to eat cholesterol from animal products? Well, we can make cholesterol and the body can also make certain saturated fats that it needs. But... Uh, Unless we're extremely healthy, there's there's things we cannot make. And whether we can make enough cholesterol would really be the question. And we need cholesterol for every single, to make every single hormone we need, mood hormones, reproductive hormones. We need cholesterol for healthy healthy cell membranes. We need cholesterol for our brain. And, and so it goes. So the body will do its best to make cholesterol to save the person's life. But mm. it sure makes it a lot easier for the body to to have the ingredients it needs. And okay. many people notice that when somebody becomes a vegan, that their cholesterol will go go way, way low. And, you know, total cholesterol numbers of as low as 130 will often be reported. And so a reasonable question is, okay, well, where did the cholesterol go to? And I can tell you where it goes to. Um, The reason it's not showing up on the cholesterol test is because the body is using it in the cell membranes of your cells just to keep you alive. And that's where it's going. Oh, wow. And this is not really a good thing. We thought that the lower the cholesterol, the better. 
Well, what I see in many, many, many doctors and alternative doctors and nutritionists see is that the sickest clients we see have the really low cholesterol. So in in terms of certain other things, uh, people talk about how um, you know the body is able to to um, to make whatever we need, say, to have a healthy thyroid, for example. And you know, again, it all has to do with with how healthy the person is to begin with. For example, people have the the myth vegans have the myth that beta carotene can be converted to vitamin A. And yes, it can, some of it can, but it's only going to be able to be converted if you're extremely healthy, if your thyroid's good, if you've got if you're taking no over the counter drugs whatsoever. And there's just a whole long list of, of factors that need to be into place for your body to be able to convert some of that beta carotene into true vitamin A. Mm, I see. Yeah, and that's what I, you know, I kind of like surmised as well, although I haven't, of course, done the extensive research that that you have. But um, I see a lot of uh, uh, spiritual teachers who, because of the ascension, our vibration getting higher, are suggesting we eat lighter and lighter foods. And um, I was a, you know, four times a week beef person, you know, uh, and uh, and when I was recovering my adrenals, chronic fatigue, you know, fibromyalgia, that kind of thing, boy, what a difference between trying to eat vegetarian and eating a more paleolithic diet. I mean, I think it really, really helped me to eat the more paleolithic, you know, getting rid of the, the grains and eating more saturated fat and beef and that kind of thing. Now that I am so much, much, much healthier, uh, interestingly, my body is changing and, um, you know, I do muscle testing, so I kind of tap into the higher self, God self, try to figure out, like, what's best for me, what's best for other people. And to my shock and surprise, um, my body is asking me to eat lighter, and I have a couple other um, spiritual teachers that I asked them to check in as well. And they, and without knowing what I tested and what they were testing for each other, they both said to me, you need to eat lighter because of the ascension. And I thought, wow, that is fascinating. So I have a theory that um, our DNA is going to be changing. We are not no longer going to you know have, not to say we don't have the same DNA as our Paleolithic ancestors, but I think there is a possibility that with if someone is very healthy, that they're going to be able to be much more efficient into, you know, creating, you know, some of these nutrients on their own. Um, and so my body is saying, I don't want you to eat beef four times a week anymore. I want you to eat it max once a week, uh, bacon twice a month. And I'm like, wow. And, you know, fish, which I was eating maybe once or twice a week, now it's like five times a week. And uh, it's amazing, uh, the difference. And I definitely can feel, I feel better. Like I actually felt like I was gaining some weight just eating very, very heavy, um, you know, heavy vibrational foods and, and asking me to eat lighter. So I can imagine that these spiritual teachers who might be very, very healthy be able to tolerate, you know, a vegetarian diet. But then there are people that I see who want to be like that, who you know, for understandably ethical reasons or whatever, they they can't stand the whole animal slaughter thing. I I totally get that. I don't want them to like be forced into eating meat, but they're not healthy yet. They're on medications or they have been on medications. They're on mood, you know, uh, antidepressants or whatever. Um, they have not been healthy. They're not grounded, and for them, I I really don't feel like they're they're ready to make that transition. Any any thoughts on that theory? 
Well, I would say, first of all, some of the most holy people on the planet, like the Dalai Lama, do eat meat. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's very important for for people to realize. And many Native Americans who have been very, very spiritual, they consider meat uh, very important for their health and for that of the planet. And I think Lear Keith's book, uh, The Vegetarian Myth, is... Uh, is wonderful explaining how we need to, uh, the animals are needed on the planet. And the, what I would argue is, is most of us need some animal products for personal health, and we need it for planetary health as well. Mm. Oh, that's an interesting spin, yeah, on that. Um, I, you know, I, I certainly don't know how if someone, as, as, as the 23-year-old, you know, says, uh, I don't feel good about eating any animal secretions. <laughs> you know, so um, I was like, well, I guess if you put it that way, I guess I could gross anybody out. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and it's tough. And I know I, I spoke to Lier. I, we had a radio show with her, and she said she was one of the staunchest vegans out there. She stuck with it like 20 years or something, well beyond many of her colleagues that had gotten sick already. Uh, and she was like the last, the last one, you know, to finally – basically start eating meat again because her health was so bad, uh, falling apart. And when she started eating it, she said part of it was it was almost like too late. She had done some permanent damage, um, and she regrets having waited that long. But I think she has a very unique perspective having, you know, having been vegan and, you know, really doing the research of how it's affecting our planet. So I really appreciate her work. And you know, I mean, maybe at one day we will be able to not eat at all. I mean, um, you know, some people believe that there are extraterrestrial cultures that were living in, you know, you know like humanoid-type bodies that used to have to eat meat and or eat at all, and then now they do not have to. Maybe we'll get into that place where we become light beings and we don't necessarily need to eat uh, meat. But for now, I think the grand majority of people... Um, you know, can definitely gain benefit from, you know, the broth and some of the things that we're talking about today. Well, I'm so glad you talked to Lier, and, you know, as you said, she she um, has a unique story because she was she was trying with everything she had to do it for 22 years. She believed in it that strongly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I do have. Uh, if I mean, some people are that I talked to are just not willing to even go there. So I mean, there's no point in trying to push them at this stage. They have to have their own experience. But for those that are kind of open and just curious and just really want to know, you know, what's really going on, um, instead of just, for example, like they'll watch in schools now. There, which is great. They're showing things like Food Inc. You know, movies like that. But unfortunately, it has the side effect of grossing all the kids out. <laughs> okay. Uh, about the factory farming, and then they decide they're going to be vegetarian for the wrong reasons, um, and then they become vegetarian, decide that vegetarian is like power bars and crackers and, you know, whatever, and not really good nutrients. So that's the downside of some of the, you know, documentaries where they show one side, but then they don't show what else to do, you know, what else can you do about that. And so then these kids get malnourished and they, you know, have mental illness and, you know, uh, problems. I'm not saying just from that, but, you know, it's not helping, but it's great to be able to have, if people are open, to be able to say, hey, you know, read these books and get a different perspective from someone that's been there. And, you know, 
and then make your own decisions. So it's really, I just love, you know, the work that you do, Sally Fallon Morell does, you know, the Art Keith. I mean, just really um, educating, uh, educating the population. And uh, I'm, I'm sure there's always exceptions to the role, but um, I think we need to be grounded. And um, it's very, very important to be nourished and for our children. Um, and I think Sally Fallon, when I spoke to her on the radio show, she says, we need to have at least five generations of fertile vegans before we consider that a healthy, you know, uh, a healthy lifestyle. And I thought, wow, I never thought of it that way. I don't know if you feel the same way. Well, I definitely feel that that many teenagers who get caught up in veganism and their health does start to go downhill in time and they may not discover the error of their ways until they're trying to become pregnant, say, in their 30s. And at that point, there may have been just too much damage done. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And we already have an infertility epidemic. You know, one out of seven couples has trouble getting pregnant, and a lot of experts believe it's soon going to be one in four. Wow. So there's there's many reasons for that, including all the junk food diets and the fast food diets, but the vegan diet is not the solution for that. Mm. And I spoke to actually a nutritionist, Pam Colleen from Canada, about her book, uh, you know, the uh, the survival of the unfittest, um, which is the hidden epidemic and in infertility. And she spoke to all these uh, experts, experts, and other folks about their experience with with children and young people. And the, uh, I mean, you know, young teenage boys. You think, wow, they're you know hot to trot and want to you know have sex all the time, but not anymore. I mean, their libido is really going down. They don't, they can't make the hormones anymore. Yeah, many many people think that that's a sign of spiritual evolution, but it's really a sign of bad health. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Dr. Kayla, and uh, thanks everyone for listening in as well. I really enjoy our interviews. I always get some great information, and my patients, you know, always listen to the show, even if they can't get online because they're working, but they listen to the replay because I'm always saying you gotta, you gotta, you gotta eat broth, and this is how much and why. And so it's great to have an expert on the show to to share more information. So thank you again, Dr. Kayla. Thank you. Hey, my pleasure, and thanks everyone for listening in. Bye for now.